This is your spoiler warning if you don't want Resident Evil Extinction from 2007 spoiled. Stop watching or listening now. Adaptation, where we watch and talk about every theatrically released video game adaptation, their sequels, tie-ins, and whatever else we fancy. I'm your host, Finn, and I'm joined, as always, by my buff film buff co-host, Guy Pigden. Hello. This week, we're limping back into the most successful zombie video game adaptation franchise, the third installment for Resident Evil Extinction. First thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you all zombied out at this point. We've seen quite a few zombie things. I thought I was. Yep. But, you know, this has kind of brought me back on board of the potential of zombie movies. This had a different take. It did. It did. However, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis on this take. Alice, she's back. In this post-apocalypse, post-apocalyptic picture, the plot plunges into the protagonist's path where she picks up a plethora of past and present pals. I'm going to stop doing that as a bit now because that would be exhausting. This plot mirrors earlier ones in the series and seems to have found its reliable formula. (laughs) Alice and friends are hunted by both Umbrella Corporation and zombies. Her friends get overwhelmed by zombies while she slowly increases her superpowers and goes on to escape the zombies, fight the giant zombie villain created by the Umbrella Corporation at the end, and finally get her revenge. Or does she? Sequel tease. Well... Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there. Thanks, I wrote that on my phone in my car. They uh, definitely did establish this formula in the last one, yes. and they definitely did repeat it exactly. I feel like they refined it a little bit. It was The, yeah, pace, the yeah. pacing was really good in this, like it really trucked forward. It did truck forward, but I did make a note that mm-hmm. said that uh, essentially trying to develop the plot and make this suspenseful makes things very slow and boring for the first half. Yeah, uh, yeah, give me that. I mean, it is also a very barren movie, not like just in the setting itself. That yeah. always kind of does it for me where I'm like, well, the plot, there's not a lot of plot when you've just got people who aren't very well developed in a giant desert where there's nothing. There's also not a lot of zombies in this. Well, not, they're not scattered throughout. Like there's a big horde of them. But yeah. yeah. You don't kind of see them very often. Like, yeah. You kind of, they, they, they essentially bump into them like really once at the end is the, the, the big time that they and the, there's a few smatterings of zombie, mm. but you know it's nothing. Yeah, that last time is the only time that they actually fight zombies in the zombie film. Yeah, they f- seem to fight crows more than zombies in this. Yeah, um, the crow scene. Thoughts on the crow scene? I kind of liked it. I think it was one of the better scenes in the movie. Uh, like the CGA, CGI uh, may have been a bit janky, but the worst part of it was really the acting of the actors funnily yep. enough like not all of them but a lot of them it just seemed to not really sell the the horror and the terror of that because that would be like, like genuinely a scary scenario just being surrounded by zombie crows that will yep. do anything to try and pick your eyes out and just devour you yeah obviously it was a bit of an homage to the birds alfred hitchcock's the birds mm-hmm. um with sort of a very similar kind of setup and vibe how they all kind of there and you're just waiting for them to attack yeah um, and I thought it wasn't too bad until they actually started attacking. When they started attacking, that's when they kind of started, things didn't look so great. I think the moment that it, the kind of suspense gets taken out is when they start, like there's a whole, there's just a surrounding of thousands of crows. Yeah. In reality, there were only two crows, two right. crows that they actually use yep. for reference and the rest is yeah quite clearly CGI when you're watching yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. 
I'd say still quite impressive for 2007. Yeah. It's fast moving, it's going. But uh, when they start shooting at them, like there's mm. thousands of crows and they are like lining them up when they're taking their shots to like, I'm going to shoot that one and I'm going to shoot that one. It's like, what, what are you doing? Just, Just sh- fucking spray. head down, head down and sprint to where you're going. That's what they do. Like they'll turn around and they'll yeah. stop what they're doing and be like, pew, 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 and then keep going. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be rooting for you. You're being an idiot. Well, I think that's a failure both, well, probably by the director yes. to really sort of be like, hey, the crows are everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you can just shoot anywhere. Yeah. You, and you also don't want to pause because they're kind of coming at you at all times. Yeah. It, it is weird, though, because there's kind of this cloud of crows yes. over the top of them. And then these people running underneath them and no crows running at them except for specific times when the plot dictates it. Yeah. Oh, that character's running. We need to go bam, 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 crow, crow, crow. Meanwhile, there's like 2,000 crows Crows above them just circling. Crows just not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're um, here for intimidation. I don't feel like attacking today. Well, yeah. You do have to give them credit in the sense that, A, you know, it is hearkening back to actual Resident Evil where Mm -hmm. crows are a thing and are a problem and... um, and can attack you and hurt you. Yep. Uh, but also, you know, it isn't zombies. And it's like, look, by the time we got to this one, really, we're scraping the bottom. Of, what else can we do with zombies? But then they treat them like zombies. Where, oh, we'll try to shoot them while we run away before we get overwhelmed. Isn't well, that the approach to zombies? Yeah. So, and they are zombified crows. Well, I, I like that in this world, they've got, you know, zombie dogs, zombie yeah. crows. Yeah. Cool. That That's making it different. Instead of like some zombie franchises you'll just see oh there's just yeah herd of cows well the weird part was that like um you know they have they're basically like the crows aren't attacking Mm -hmm. and they're sitting yep in their fortified like uh cars and vans and buses and stuff Mm -hmm. and everyone's like just stay there and don't do anything and then inevitably they decide that Instead, they'll do the opposite of that. Yeah. They'll open up, they'll walk outside, they'll start shooting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not sure that these crows are going to get in if they just did the first, their first plan. Well, like at one point they start cracking through. They do. Once they start cracking through those windows, I'm like, okay, these were always a threat. Okay. They didn't really put themselves in this position. A little girl accidentally knocks over a Pepsi can or something. Yeah. There was a small, not cameo, but a little bit part in this movie that I really enjoyed just personally. Yeah. And that's seeing Johnny Cage. What? The cowboy. The cowboy. The cowboy. He's played by the same actor. Who, who, played, Johnny who played Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat. In Mortal Kombat in 1990. Which we have not seen yet. We haven't seen for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I've seen it multiple, of course, yeah, multiple, we've seen it. multiple times. <laughs> but he's worked, he's worked with Paul W.S. Anderson on Mortal Kombat. Right. So he directed that and he wrote this. Yeah. Still yet to, you know, pick up the reins once again as director. There's also, <laughs> there are also animated movies. I know. <laughs> we could veto those? Well, we can't. When we could. They're movies. Yeah, I guess. Were they theatrically released? <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> well, definitely some of them were. In Japan. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I could tell this was written by Paul W.S. Anderson because 10 minutes in, you've got a strong female protagonist who can really kick ass. And how do we show her character growth? Someone tries to sexually assault her. Yep. That's, that's such a... What, why? You can tell, yeah. like, when a strong female character is written by a guy. Mm. It's like, wow. How do, we, how do we show that she's strong? Oh, yeah. let's, let's have her not be assaulted. But, but, but people try. Yeah. 
but she fights them off. Yeah. Or if you want them to grow into a sad character, don't fight them off. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, look, uh, this, uh, to be honest, actually, the, like the opening of this, mm. I was sort of on board with um, in the sense that there was a couple of things that I, well, one, I was like, what the hell's going on here? Oh, you mean like with that little... The world's a wasteland desert. Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't the case in the last one. No. And so as you pointed out last time, you know, this is post-apocalyptic. Yeah. The last one was... It was pre-apocalyptic. Well, it was Resident Evil Apocalypse. Was, yeah, right. So this was is it called Apocalypse? Yeah. I thought it was called Nemesis. No. Okay. Yeah, you really got hung up on him. Unfortunately. <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. Okay, so, yeah. Um, and so they're in this new world, but, like, she goes to help. She's hearing a help signal, and she goes yeah. to help, and it turns out these people are, are luring people in with this help signal. Yes. But now, from a logic perspective, like I actually kind of like that. Sure. I, was, I was like, okay, I wasn't expecting that. I thought she was literally going to go in and help some people, and they were all going to die. Yeah, she's heroic. But she was going to try and help them. Yeah. That's what I thought. Or they'd all be dead, right? To me, it's like, well, this seems like a, a video game side quest. Yeah. Yeah. Total side quest. Yeah. And anyway, um, but, you know, by the logic of these people, mm -hmm. they are actually would be luring other wasteland wanderers to kill them most of the time. Yeah, that's true. However, like, they've got the numbers, right? That's what they do have on. the numbers. They're banking on people not being in groups. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. But if I was another group and I heard that, straight in there. Their motivations to me seemed like uh, if you've played any of like the Batman Arkham games, mm. any of like the dialogue you hear from them, like, oh, if I get that Batman, I'm going to punch him real good. He don't know what he got coming. Yep. Hey, I'm going to take this girl and I'm going to do things to her. <laughs> let us rob you. Yeah, let's rob you. Yeah. You know, just like the, the woman there that lures them in. Yes. And all, they're all just like cackling little like, yes. ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's, it's so cartoonish. Well, it was also a bit weird because it's like, okay, you've lured this girl in. Mm -hmm. Now, either you want to sexually assault her like you did in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's or, a given. Or you want to chop her up and eat her. Yeah, or just take her stuff and kill her. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, they throw her to the dogs, mm -hmm. which is a waste of a food source out in the wasteland. Because yeah. if the dogs eat her, then she's infected. They can't, you know. Yeah. So, but, but of course, then you got the dog you, scene. Yeah, you get the heroic, I'm going to kill a bunch of dogs scene. Well, That's in most movies. I mean, the, the, I they're zombified. It's different. They're zombie dogs. Yeah, zombie dogs. Well, surely this was your favourite part of the film. I know we're skipping ahead, but... <clears throat> We're, not, we're gonna mention that. Yeah, uh, calling only, you out right now. Not only does she run up a wall and do a backflip, another yeah. little favorite of mine. Uh, but she does a kip up. Yeah, so that's gonna affect the score later but, on. But but no, but but not just any old kip up. Mm -hmm. And unassisted by hands because her hands are tied behind her back. Kip up. That's impressive. It is. I'll I will go back and see if it was actually her. Because <laughs> okay. if it is, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um. It was it was a, a slightly messy kip up I thought when I was when I watched it, but you know, Ooh. yeah, gymnast uh, critique, yeah, guy yeah from a man who cannot do them. I was like, oh, that looked a little sloppy. If I could do them, I'd do them better. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know, like they barely made it because their hands were tied behind their back. Yeah, but that's still very impressive. Yeah. So uh, there was a kip up in this film, so people be sure to keep an eye out for that. And then my other favorite thing in movies: uh, somebody gets bitten and then hides it from everybody. Yeah. Thanks, LJ. Just going. That guy's a dick. LJ, a.k.a. Mike Epps, mm -hmm. a.k.a. the Martin Lawrence of a, a few years when you couldn't afford Martin Lawrence. And you definitely can't afford Martin Lawrence now. No. 
Yeah, dude, dude's done well for himself. And so this, yeah, Mike Epps was in the last one, really f- only because at the time he was Mike Epps. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, I feel like there's absolutely no reason except that they wrote him in at the end. Yeah. And so anyway, he loses his girlfriend, Betty. Played by Ashanti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then doesn't tell anyone that he's been bitten. Yep. Just awful thing to do. Dick move. Yeah. Like he's kind of, I mean, I guess he hasn't really been heroic at this point, but just like, just wander off, man. Yeah. Or just shoot yourself in the head. Do the character, something. not the person. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so he's out. Mm-hmm. He's out pretty early. Yeah. But he, well, I mean, he's not out early in terms of the movie. He's out of the running of lasting to the end of the movie because he sticks around because he's inevitably got to just turn into a zombie and start attacking yeah. all, all, all the friends of this movie. That's what I like to call them, the friends. The friends. There's multiple good people. Friends of Alice. Yeah. Friends, friends of, of Alice. Friends of the podcast. <laughs> well, the other weird thing is, so Carlos is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Epps, uh, what was his name? LJ? LJ. LJ yes. is back. Mm-hmm. But conspicuous by her absence, mm-hmm. Jill Valentine. Jill Valentine did not return. Did not make it back. So they've subbed out Jill Valentine. For character cl- from the video game. For for Claire Redfield. Different character from the video game. Also uh, a sexy woman in mm-hmm. a tight outfit. Yes. And also here for different reasons than in the games. Yeah. The brother's not in this. No. Who she's, I guess... Uh, eternally looking for yep. in the games yep. as far as I've read. I can never meet up. Nah, can never get it on the same page. So he's in a different movie Ships at the moment. Ships in the night. Yeah. Ships in the night. I think there was a there was a rumour it was either him or uh, Leon Kennedy. Leon protagonist Kennedy yep. uh, was going to be prayed, uh, played his, by Jensen. His middle name is S. <laughs> oh, was it really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously. Does, does the S stand for S? Like the J stands well, he's for always, J? You, they always just refer to him as Leon S. Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, Leon Kennedy was taken within the Actors Guild, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it was supposed to be Jensen Ackles was rumored to be playing, uh, I believe it was Leon S. Kennedy, but mm-hmm. that, just, that just didn't go. Didn't happen? It. No. And Jill Valentine didn't return because the actress uh, had just, it was just a clash and schedule filming schedules yeah yeah Yeah, schedule conflict because she was on filming for the movie aragon have you ever heard of that film i've heard of the film yeah yeah i think that was one of the first movie trailers i ever watched where i watched it and went huh movies can be bad movies can actually be bad yeah that's weird just because they go to the movies doesn't mean they're good yeah no this is weird maybe i should critique movies later (laughs) in my life (laughs) maybe i should (laughs) spend many many hours of my life doing that but only exclusively for movies uh, yeah, based not, on video games. Yeah, and not for money. <laughs> <laughs> However, that scheduling conflict to me is a bit weird because uh, one of the characters who's, maybe he plays a smaller part, but the Australian in this movie, who, um, because I'm from New Zealand, if I hear an Australian accent in a movie, I have to Google quickly, are they Australian? Mm-hmm. Or are they from New Zealand? Need to know. Need to know if there's a connection, and then I have to bring it up. Yeah. Because <laughs> yep. it's all we have. Yep. Uh, he's Australian. He was in Aragon too. So I guess... His schedule lined up. Funny that. Probably because he gets to die in this movie and she wouldn't have. Well, I do feel like, um, you know, obviously everyone's going to say scheduling conflicts when they actually mean don't want to be in this shitty Resident Evil movie. Does she come back though? Yeah, but (laughs) this is the thing. You know, actors feel like they're on an upward trajectory. Ah, yes, yes. And and when they feel here, 
They're very picky. So, like, when they have just started in Terminator 3, yeah, yeah, on the up, yeah, careful where you go with your arm there, yeah, don't go too high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one's for the video viewers. The like, if you've just been in Terminator 3, sure, yep, Arnold's yep. high on you saying, Yeah, you're actually the main character in this movie, yeah, and then you take Blood Rain, yeah. And then suddenly your choices become a lot narrower and suddenly a Resident Evil, a franchise, a v- the most successful uh, zombie video, video game, game franchise, franchise. Zombie video game franchise. Uh, <laughs> uh, is much more appealing than it was when you said no to Resident Evil Extinction. Yeah, exactly. So she may be back later. Yeah, a bit of a weird decision not to include her. However, there is the weirdest decision of this movie and I'm not talking about plot. Okay. The weirdest decision of this movie was to airbrush Mila Jovovich's face on close-ups. Did you notice that? Well, th- now that you mention it, yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, and this is actually a sort of a technique. Now, I don't know how they did it specifically in uh, 2007, mm-hmm. but nowadays there's basically when you take your, in fact, the software that we use to edit this podcast, and I say we, I mean Finn. Yeah. I definitely do not, mm-hmm. nor will ever. Uh, open this uh, piece of software to to edit. Uh, <laughs> Not for this. <laughs> but but anyway, it's, it's called DaVinci Resolve. And DaVinci Resolve is both an editing software, but it's also a color grading mm-hmm. software. So normally what happens is when you finish a film, it is the whole film is color graded. And that's how you get this the looks. The yep. You know, like part of that is done in the production design and the uh, art direction and the costumes on set. Yep. But the other significant part of it is that look is created uh digitally mm-hmm. in post-production such as like i mentioned in the previous podcast if you go to mexico make it yellow if you're going to sepia if you're going to night time that yeah. place uh you make it bluish yeah if you're going to australia yeah. reddish yeah that, yeah there's rules but anyway if so... you're going to anywhere in the middle east you make it kind of like wavy like it's so hot everywhere is just so hot and you're in a market there's so, lots of colors. So basically what happens is there's a, essentially a filter that you can apply mm-hmm. to someone's face, which just softens it. It's like, mm-hmm. it, which is the same type of thing we see on Instagram. Yep. The same thing your phone does mm-hmm. algorithmically in its little computer. And you go, man, that was a great photo. It wasn't. You don't look like that. You look like shit. Yeah. You look like, fu- you look fucking horrible. You look old. You look 40, bro. So this is just guy talking to himself <laughs> as he rewatches this. <laughs> but 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 the point is that when you take the phone, you go, ah, I'm looking pretty good. And that's, you know, your phone essentially smoothing your wrinkles. And now they can actually do it like a lot quicker, live almost. Yeah. Like reality TV shows, it's been pointed out in like shows oh, with the Kardashians, et cetera. They'll turn their face and suddenly it's not recognizing a face anymore. So then that kind of... Oh, fascinating. Like essentially like... Uh, I imagine some people have used like Snapchat filters yep. who are watching this. It's kind of like that. You turn your face, it's not doing it anymore. You turn back and, oh, it's working. So, yeah, kind she of that, has a Snapchat for... filter on her face for the whole of this film. Yep. I did notice it. it. It does continue in the next films as well. Oh, does it? Yeah. And I think that you can only assume this is a directive uh, exp- explicitly mm-hmm. from her or, or P, P, Wes Anderson. <laughs> You tried. Paul W.S. Yes, Anderson. There we go. Uh, now let's say it together. Paul, Paul W.S. W.S. Anderson. Anderson. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, P.W.S. Yeah. P.W.S.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a, a, a P.S.A. to his colorist. Mm-hmm. I, you do this. You make, do this on every shot. Make my wife hot. Yeah, basically it's like, look, 
She looks a little bit older now. Uh, we don't want that here. Uh, so just smooth it. No one will notice. Yeah. Well, yeah, thought wrong. Sorry. Yeah, fucked up. <laughs> Sorry, but I've watched this. So <laughs> joke's on. Sorry, but we know what's going on, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I did notice that. And I, I actually, it's interesting you brought that up because I sort of uh, blurred it out, much like her wrinkles. I blurred it out as I wa- I wasn't really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But when I saw this in the cinema, which yep. I did also do as mm-hmm. I am want to do to see uh, <laughs> terrible video game adaptations in the cinema when they first released. Yeah. Just like that. So that's why I was there and I was like. Hey, I did it for Super Mario Bros. I was like, something's going on here with her face. It's kind of weird. And then, you know, this essentially a Gorgian filter, essentially, mm-hmm. on the face. It's really noticeable when she's, she's done a close-up and then it cuts back and there's, yeah. you know, she's further back in the frame and you go, oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. now she looks her age. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing, there's nothing wrong with looking your age. Also, it's not or even... slightly older. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, she's not old here. No, she looks great. She's in her early 30s in yeah. this film. If that, yeah, she must be in her early 30s. Mm. So, yeah, it's just a bit weird that they employed that uh, for the rest of time. <laughs> Paul W.S. Anderson is walking around with AR goggles that specifically put a filter yeah. on his wife's face. Yeah. She's, she's still young to me. She's still young to me, damn it. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's just like it speaks to a larger inherent problem. Well, that a... I think we can fix on this, which is our beauty standards for women. Let's discuss it. Well, I guess the weird thing is like this, this to that degree. Yeah. Is not happening. Now, you can do this much more subtly than they did it, mm-hmm. and you and I may not be able to tell at all. No. And, you know, I've actually been in situations where we've asked for that, like, yeah. a light touch. Yes. Uh, and actually, that can be going on at all times, and you would never see it. Yeah. But this is way beyond it's, that. It's because it's not all the time. It's yeah. selective, like the specific shots. And they don't do it to other characters. Yes, they don't do it to other characters. And not only that, though... It's like um, faces aren't that smooth, like, yeah, you know, fine. because you remove the pores and all those sorts of things as well. So mm-hmm. it, it's like, you know that there's something uh, incorrect yeah. about it because you just know what a face looks like. And even a young face will have more <laughs> detail in it yeah. than than this, like, say, around the eyes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I specifically noticed it when they were flashing between Alice and Claire. Like they did, two. they did clear dirty. Ah, now she still looks great too. They both look great. I, I think it was just unnecessary. Like mm. I'm not watching these movies because Mila Jovovich might look as young as she wants to be. I'm watching it because uh, she's believable as this kick-ass protagonist who gets to be the only one who can go hand to hand with zombies. She you, gets to do some flippy kicks and stuff. I thought you were watching it out of obligation to this podcast. Yeah, that, that primarily, but that yeah. goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> so secondary. Yeah. yeah secondary You're saying reasoning. the quiet part out loud, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, we, we sort of open the film with Alice waking up in the same fake room. Yeah, she basically wakes up in the first movie. She wakes up in the first movie, and you're kind of like, oh, wait, what's going on here? And then you see like okay, a... Genuinely, yeah. I had to go, is this... Am I watching the right one? Well... Because <laughs> I couldn't remember... If that's yeah. where the first one started, I went, oh, she looks exactly the same. I, I wasn't like, I was like, I was like, hey, wait a second. We ended this second film mm-hmm. with some other stuff going on. Yeah. What is this nonsense? Yeah. Why are we back here? Mm. Uh, and then it turns out that Umbrella are running a test. Yes. On clone Alice's 
mm-hmm. to see which Alice is the best Alice for their experiments. And the way that they do this is they just take them into this fake version, that this fake set yeah. they've built yeah. out of the middle of nowhere in this post-apocalyptic wasteland in a actually very small contained area well, the entrance to it is yeah, a small okay, yeah, yeah, okay, It's just okay. an elevator down okay, 1,800 yeah, feet away. Yes. But yes. Uh, uh, and they've built this set down there with all these booby traps to kill clones. It's, and if one of the clones makes it through, mm-hmm. they're, they're good. She's the one. But they never make it through. No. Can they run the gauntlet? Can they survive Resident Evil 1? Yeah. I know I couldn't if I had to rewatch it. Because I feel this one's better. I think they've improved both times. Well, I I don't know. I still don't think... I wouldn't say this one was better than the first one. I felt the most connection to the, like... I, I, I thought the first one was the most compelling. Mm-hmm. The second one, you know, went into insanity. Yeah. And the third one, to be honest, as insane as it might sound with someone with psychic powers using the Force throughout... Yeah, she is very psychic now. Um, and them being in this post-apocalyptic wasteland after oh they say five years don't they i think so five years and um you know lots of still silly things happening it's very silly it felt still more believable than the second one i feel like they're leaning into the silliness where they're still keeping it serious like silly things are happening but they're taking it seriously and if they keep that tone up then i'll I'll keep up as well like that's that's a bit of fun well i think that like to me uh paul ws anderson pwsa Mm-hmm. Pee-wee's Anderson. Yep. Had just he had sat down one day and he's like, "What am I going to do for the next Resident Evil? Because I feel like I've done like I've really." They keep asking me to write them, and I keep not having very good ideas. <laughs> okay. Ah, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then he kind of looks to the side and he goes, "What's that?" And out the corner of his eye, he spots the Mad Max DVD. And he puts it in, and he starts watching Mad Max, and he goes, huh. And then he puts in Mad Max 2, and he goes, hmm. Mm. And even Mad Max 3, he chucks that in there too, and he goes, what if I did all this stuff, chucked in some psychic powers and zombies? I think I've got myself Resident Evil 3 right here. Yep, Mad Max 2, but Resident Evil 3. (laughs) Yeah, it was heavily based on Road Warrior, right? the second Mad Max movie. And... It shows, as that <laughs> meme goes. But there was actually a directive like point from uh, Russell Mulcahy. Yeah. I believe I've got that wrong. Is this the director? This is the director, yeah. yes. Uh, his chief insistence with this film, and its big point of difference over its predecessors, was that it be shot in sun, daytime, not just dark, dingy corridors mm. and dark, dirty streets. Like, mm. it's almost exclusively just blazing sunshine yep. the whole time yeah i thought oh yeah that's that's pretty good so they can't really hide the cgi no like they did in other ones even though the worst cgi takes place in a dark <laughs> dark room in this movie do you think so yes i think that's um no we can talk about that now so i i wrote down initially cgi is pretty good in this yeah and i went back to my notes and i wrote oh until about an hour in <laughs> because uh dr chris isaacs yeah played by the actor that played so uh Jorah Mormont in Game of Thrones. He's he has returned as the bad evil scientist for Umbrella Corporation. And he turns into it's not named in the movie, but he's got a mutation of the T virus as he gets bitten and he wants to cure himself. And he becomes tyrant. 
Mm. It was this movie's big bad that uh, Alice has to try and kick in the head to death. Which, for video game nerds, mm-hmm. is actually from the first Resident Evil. Mm. There you go, nerds. Are you happy now? And he has like this giant tentacle arm. Mm. And one of uh, his, his boss, who's mean to him, or one of the lackeys of the big yeah. boss. It's weird. They try to like get us to garner sympathy for this guy, being like, wow, he's bullied by his bosses. Yeah. But so it was... Is the enemy of my enemy my friend? Is the, or is he just a bigger enemy that's... Is the enemy who's conducting experiments and killing hundreds of clones uh, mercilessly and then shutting his assistants in with zombies when his experiment fails and lets them get eaten, my friend? He makes them get eaten. He could have saved them. Totally. Absolutely. And he chooses not to and then thinks nothing of it. Yeah. He's the, he's the big evil guy. And then they go, he's being bullied a bit, isn't he? Oh, he can't get the funding for his project or whatever. Oh, they're using corporate language on him to talk down to him. Oh, I really feel for this guy. Oh, no, wait. No, yep, that big piece of shit. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that as they uh, say in Star Wars Episode One, is always a bigger piece of shit. I think that's... There's always a bigger fish. Thank you, Qui-Gon. So, yeah, they, when he sends the tentacles into the yep. this corporate stooge, that's to me, I went, oh. That wasn't good. Oh, that's a bit rough. Yeah. I was, was like, that's was, on par with the other Resident Evils. Yeah, but this is the most recent one that we've watched. Yeah. So I thought, oh, it would. Like, and but just, they have the same VFX budget for each one, so they could never go higher. Well, don't show it. <laughs> yeah. If you can't show a guy mm. who's just had his eyes sucked out mm. by tentacles, mm. show the back of his head. Mm. Show the eyeballs on the tentacles or something, or just show blood coming out. But I think it's like the, the blackness of the eyes. I'm like, oh, that's. It's too just. It's just a void. Yeah. And I went. Oh, yeah. This looks like a black mat. Yeah. But just. It's it's weird because you know this, you know if you want to talk about people like ripping off other people, mm-hmm. you know a young Duffer Brothers was watching Resident Evil Extinction. <laughs> it's okay. two thousand and seven. Okay. The young Duffer Brothers. They they. <laughs> Are absolutely ripping things off, but it's not stuff like this. They're yeah. ripping off established monsters who have a lot of art and whatever from Dungeons and Dragons and existing lore from a while ago. It's not this. Yes. Or these people are ripping from the same source material. So you don't they think the Duffer Brothers got inspired because we've got psychic, person mm-hmm. with psychic abilities. Yep. We've got the person that looks like the tyrant looks very much like Vecna in the new Stranger Things. He has tentacles and an ugly face. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, what. What more experiments? Can you do? Evil experiments by the evil corporation. Like Demi Gorgons is something that people are like. Oh, that's a Stranger Things thing. Mm. No, that's a nerdy Dungeons and Dragons mm. thing. It's probably in the new Dungeons and Dragons movie or something. Vecna, I believe, is an established thing. If not, I might cut me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> or for ease of editing, I might not. But like they're using established things from that. Well, look, I'm almost not, all the time. Look, if you watch the first series of stranger things mm-hmm. all i could think of is like there is not one single original uh thought yeah. within this this is a simply a pastiche of every other thing yeah there could be all put into a nice little package that we can all enjoy 
as fans of those things. It's just fan service, the Netflix it's the, series. It's the ultimate, yeah, sort of thing we have love talking about here on the podcast, the sort of the, the nostalgia effect. Yeah. Um, to but, me, that's what Super Mario Brothers was, all from one franchise. Like, take all these bits that we like, <laughs> smush it into a ball and yeah. present it to someone. Well, that's strange. But so yeah. I'm, I still maintain the Duffer Brothers watched this and they pulled up some scraps of this and they're like, look, guys, you know, I know that we've been taking a lot from Stephen King and Steven Spielberg um, and sort of every 80s film. But what about Paul W. Stephen Anderson? Another but Stephen have we Wick- really tapped into the Resident Evil franchise? And one of them said, <laughs> no. And then another one said, good. And then they didn't. <laughs> but yeah, so this is a precursor to that. That's all I'm saying. It's yep. like, you know. I mean, even the intro of Stranger Things <laughs> has been stolen from something else, like that whole style. Yeah, that's yeah. Been, that's been stolen by things since as well. Yeah. Even like unrelated. You'll just, you'll see it over yeah. and over again. This stole from the Matrix because a woman's doing kicks, anti gravity kicks, kicks. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love a I love a woman doing some kicks. It's cool. Uh, yeah. Well, I think you know we've also talked about like her psychic powers, which is just like eleven psychic powers. Yes. So she at one point, like I thought this movie, actually, like it looks so much better than the other two. Yeah. And I think the daytime really helps. They can get a lot more creative, and not not everything's just so dingy. Mm. There's like some bits where she's walking through the desert that I thought, oh, there's a beautiful desert shots. Yeah. Some real Lawrence of Arabia vibes <laughs> yeah, off this Resident right. Evil film. It was incredible. And then even though you could see the cameraman in her goggles. <laughs> but, but then there was things like, you know, she, the, the whole sky was like a big hellfire because she'd, she'd, yeah. she'd stop the flamethrower from, you know, burning um, Carlos. Yeah. And the whole sky filled with, and I was like, you know the CGI is not great, but fuck that. They're, they're they're being ambitious here. Sure, they're going for something. Yep. The other movies, I feel they weren't. They went, let's dress a guy up as a giant deformed penis, as we discussed. Yep, and and it looked great, as we both agreed. <clears throat> but this, yeah, they got they're going above and beyond to really just like try, and I can appreciate that. I I'm bored of movies where they don't try and it sucks. Yeah, see our last episode did trigger. <laughs> Well, look, you know, I want to go quite kind of deep on this psychic powers thing for mm-hmm. a little second here. The the inconsistency of it? Yes. Okay. So this is the problem with every, like, superhero franchise, you know, uh, everything from, you know, like X-Men uh, to whatever is, is essentially... Like Jean Even Grey. Superman, Jean Grey, yep. Professor X, Magneto... All of them with these kind of ability to sort of, to some degree, obviously not Magneto specifically, but um, ability to kind of do things with their mind that kind of crushes people and throws people and lifts things and all that sort of thing is like you you introduce some serious problems to how a movie can exist. Yeah. Like how characters can have problems in the movie where it's like, well, why isn't like the, the question to pose to every single scene is why don't they just use their telekinesis? Yes. Uh, and, 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 and what we see and we've seen it in stranger things like 11 goes on an adventure um, to New York city or some fucking nonsense yep. because they can't have her around mm-hmm. to just beat everything yep. with her psychic powers. Yep. And this is happening here with, with Alice is that it's like, okay, cool. She's got psychic powers. So rather than do cool kicks and rather than um, use a machete on a bunch of zombies, why don't you just force push them down the road? <laughs> <Hey>. You know, <laughs> gone, <laughs> done, <laughs> done. 
Like I force explode all their heads at once. Yeah. Pop. And then their nose bleeds. You know? What an original thought. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so, but what I think is kind of crazy about this is like, so now this Resident Evil is having this problem in terms of kind of the consistency of her thing. In, but in the third movie of a heptalogy. Yeah. That's seven. But the most famous or or glaringly obvious uh issue where this happened and completely ruined an entire tv series was another tv series that ali Lata, aka claire redfield was a star of uh-huh heroes right and so heroes the first season was kind of building up and introducing all these disparate heroes coming together to save the cheerleader save the world and there was so much hype around that. I remember that. Yeah. So much hype. Like, oh, this, who's this new girl that's come along? Hayden Penitentiary. Yeah. Penitentiary Church or something. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Hayden. <laughs> um, yeah. And anyway, so the, and the first season was really cool. Mm-hmm. But then they had to do a second season. And instantly they're like, holy shit, we're fucked. Because all of these people, especially who have discovered their powers in the first one, now can't use them in the second one for the story to exist. You know what's actually more depressing uh, about that particular example? Mm. There was so much hype for heroes, and then those dastardly, greedy writers decided to go on strike. <laughs> oh, they're, they're asking, pay us fairly. We, we expect residuals. Why? Why do you want to be compensated for your hard work why for do your you, expertise how do, why do you want to live a, a normal life when you're old livable wage isn't <laughs> meant for everyone to live come on so yeah so also, also the worst case scenario mm. for these writers if they get the the absolute minimum they're asking for then they will be on par with what australian writers get <laughs> well wow. it's even then, worse and there. then if they get the least they've asked for mm-hmm. They will be on the New Zealand writers' page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, they are absolutely justified to be. Like that. Yeah, no, all totally. jokes aside. Yeah, yeah pay obviously. Fucking... And also, this is the thing: is like the world has changed. Mm-hmm. The the sort of the way that movies are made have changed. The way that streaming uh, and revenue mm-hmm. are is made by films now is completely different to five years ago. Yes. but certainly ten years ago. Certainly, the last time all these negotiations took place, and it's like okay. You can't expect to, like, once upon a time you did a job, you got paid a certain amount to write that job, but then you would receive uh, royalties. And that no longer exists, but nothing has really replaced it. Mm-hmm. And so in doing so, how like, you need these royalties to keep you going between jobs. You need these royalties to keep going when you're uh, no longer writing, you, you know. Um, but people are still making money off of your work. Yeah. And, and so that's what, that's what it is. It's like, well, yeah. this person gets residuals. This person gets residuals. I wrote that line for that actor. Yeah. I made them that big. Sure, they delivered it, but I, you know, I also took part in it. Why don't I get it? So they need to reorientate everything to accommodate for the way that streaming income is generated. Mm-hmm. So and we're fixing everything on this podcast. So and that, we've tackled feminism. Now yep. we're doing um, economics. Done. There we go. So anyway, Alice has got these psychic powers. Yes. Or psionic, as they call them in this. (laughs) And um, she's only using them very sporadically. I feel like it's one of those ones where, oh, they can only use it when they're under immense stress or pressure. Okay. 
I'm glad you've made that excuse for her. Oh, yeah, no, not just her, just every mm. movie that's like this. Yeah. Or just any character that's like this. It's yeah. like, hey, why don't you try doing it now for fun? Oh, I can't. Yeah. Uh, what if I kill your dad? Hey, well, a big psychic. You know? <laughs> yeah. And nosebleed. And oh, I fainted. But yeah, and, you know, and we will see in later things that these powers get taken away because. Yeah. These films cannot exist while these powers really exist. No, you can't have, like, because then you're basically the villain. If you're that powerful, it's inevitable, you know. Yep. There's some saying from some superhero movie that could sum up uh, the point I'm trying to make. Uh, you abs- no, fill ab- in the blanks. You absolute power corrupts absolutely. Absolutely. That's just me agreeing. I don't know what you said. Uh, so anyway, she then, I guess, we'll just skip to the end. Right? <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, do what they we're, do. we're at the. I mean, we're basically at the end. Pretty much. Well, they say they're going to go to Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Is it Vegas? Sorry, no, they're going to Vegas to get enough petrol to go to Alaska, Alaska. where they believe that there hey. may be an area where there's no zombies. Yes. Uh, so Alice has found a journal, mm-hmm. and it's got um, unrealistic journal entries where some guy yeah. has written his thoughts, and then he's gone over it again in a red pen, so then it looks scary. Yeah. I always find those things really funny. Who's when, got time for that in a, yeah. in a post-apocalypse? Who's got Who's got time in an apocalypse to like write graffiti on the wall, being like, "We're all gonna die." All right. <laughs> Did you stop running from zombies to write that because it'll look cool for the set dressing? Appreciate. <laughs> and so he's looking at this, and it says, "Like, go to Alaska. There's nobody here. There, mm. There's only." People, there's no zombies. Mm. Like people live here and people love here. I think is you know something. Similar. Okay. But what she what she didn't realize, what I realized, one of the journal entries, it's on April first. It's hmm. a long con from some jokester. He's <laughs> luring her up to Alaska. <laughs> April fools, idiot! You're dead. Well, also, Alice should know better because she's just almost got sexually assaulted in uh, uh, someone saying, "Hey, hey, you know, come help!" Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, but that's what they plan to do. So where was, where was Alice going? I don't know. Alaska. <laughs> Good work. Thanks, miss. <laughs> Alice infiltrates the big under, underground everything trying to get to, uh, Dr. Chris Isaacs. Yep. Um, also, Carlos blows himself up before that. Yeah, he does. He takes a long drag of a cigarette and then does a big explode. And Cathartic, I guess. Well, it's weird because well, oh, well, he has been bitten by LJ. So, so he's been, he's been bitten, and but he's a good guy. He's so, a good guy. So he's not gonna he's not gonna pretend he's not bitten. Yeah, and he's gonna die heroically for the cause mm-hmm. by blowing up a bunch of zombies in a truck. Yep. Uh, but you know, Alice is really gutted about it. She's really upset that this guy that she hasn't seen in five years mm-hmm. that she then spent approximately a night or two with. Uh, in Resident Evil 2? Maybe, yeah. Less than a night? Less yeah. than 24 hours? Not romantically. No, yeah, just, just literally yeah, as just in... Going around kicking zombies with them. They're two total strangers. Yeah. <laughs> they come together for 24 hours. Then somewhere along the line... Sorry, he did save her from a lab with LJ. He, he saved her from a lab with level LJ. Level 6 clearance. <laughs> then, with level 6 clearance. <laughs> then she had to take off mm-hmm. for five years. Yeah. And now he's bitten. And she's really upset. Mm-hmm. So much so that she gives him a kiss, full-blown kiss on the lips. Yep. Uh, as if there's a romantic thing going on there, which there never was, never had been established. Wait, he's a zombie at that point, right? And he is, like, well, again... I guess she's immune, yeah. I guess she's immune, but again, gross. Zombie germs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's always just like, hang about. You didn't fucking know him from Adam. Yeah. So how, why? I mean, yeah, she also... 
fell for the nemesis guy, but I think that was platonic. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to add a romantic interest. Well, if I was Carlos, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Weren't you into the nemesis yeah. a little bit earlier? <laughs> whoa. I don't like fast women, okay? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, he blows himself up. Yeah. And uh, To allow them to enter the Well, compound. I also want to make a note of, I feel like his arms have got skinnier in this. <laughs> Can we talk about his arms? His buggy whip arms? Yeah, his buggy whip arms are definitely skinnier than well, they were in the other one. He really bulked up for that, and then he just stopped off, caring. He's been living off refried beans out of a can. That's really Hey, that's a good point. Thank you. He couldn't go to the gym anymore. Oh, I mean, he could have been lifting those cans. Yeah, but... but, but he's got to save resources. Yeah. Save his energy. Yeah. And no, save so you're right. the world. So it makes sense that he would have skinny, emaciated arms. Yeah, that's why I do it. <laughs> I'm here to save the world. So she infiltrates the giant corporate underground schematic, basically. Yep. And uh, she finds Tyrant, who was formerly Dr. Chris Isaacs. Yep. And they have a big fight. Yep. And he kind of has psychic powers too. He does a big yell. Just, just a little bit. Yeah, he does a big yell. And then it, uh, the floorboards even like shatter and it sends her through a wall. Yeah. And then he yells at her later on and nothing happens. But, you know, that's by the by. So she, uh, I guess, kicks him in the head to death or something. I can't remember exactly. No, so what actually happens is she bumps into one of her clones. She, yes, she accidentally, I guess, hatches them from their yeah, water. Yeah, she heads. accidentally hatch, hatches a, a nude, oh, a no, nude it, clone. Yeah. She, she, she hatches she, a nude clone she, from, her, from its bubble. Yeah. And she <laughs> quoted her favorite franchise, uh, Super Mario Brothers. She went, oh, it's a me. <laughs> She fights him, but the way that he dies is uh, that clone turns on the lasers. That's right. And it la- it's, But it's weird because he's like, you can't kill me, Alice. I told you, you can't kill me. And yes. it's like, okay, well, why can't? Why not? Well, he said it twice. So. <laughs> yeah. If it only said it once, yeah. she wouldn't have believed she would have kept trying. But anyway, so he's chopped up. So they can kill him. Yeah, real, uh, real easy. It's an homage to the classic film Resident Evil, the first one. Yeah, where uh, a innocent person is uh, zapped. This time it's the tyrant. Yes, and he gets crisscrossed, turned into little um, yeah, into little hot chips. Kind of underwhelming. Yeah, to see it again and to yeah. expect it. The first time yeah. it was like, oh shit, and now it's just like, hey, we did it again, and you're like, yeah, you did. Well, That's I was, true. I was like, okay, cool. Now he's gonna rebuild himself. Because he can't be killed like that. And they're going to have to find a good creative way to actually kill him. No. <laughs> what we need to so do now... not to go for that. No, we've done it. We've done the thing. Like, um, we've combined the two things from the last movie. Uh, crisscross lasers yeah. and big and, bad and, and he's getting his comeuppance because he'd been crisscrossing clones mm-hmm. for the entirety of this film. And Dr. Chris Isaacs had been doctoring voice messages. Had he? Yeah, he takes like the recording of like his boss to give himself clearance. Oh, I, did, I missed that bit. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> I, I don't even think it was that important. He does what he wants anyway. So, yeah. So, that's the end. Of, well, it's not the end of the film because. No, no, no. no. <laughs> because of course, we've got to set. We can't ever end any of these with any sense of finality. No. So, this time around, it's like, cool. Uh, the Umbrella Corporation are having a meeting. Like, mm. you know. As you Board do. meeting, as you do. They're all working from home. Yeah. And nobody wants to work anymore. Because they're all holograms. Yeah. Or, but then she appears, Alison hologram, and she's like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm coming to get you all. I'm going to kill you all. And then she checks out of her hologram. <laughs> she presses page down. 
Really? <laughs> That's the button she puts. I went back and checked. She just goes, boom, boom. Page, page down, page down. Page down, page down. <laughs> Out of the hologram. And um, so it's such a stupid detail yeah. for me to not only notice, but then go back and check. But then also weird for them to do a close up on her doing that specifically. So who's weirder? Well, so is that a remote? Like as in like a like a TV remote or something that she's pressing? No, it's just on a laptop. Oh, it's on a laptop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Because that's the button that's there. Yeah, okay. Weird. Yeah. Uh, so page down, she's out, and then she's we kind of pull back to reveal not just Alice One, Alice Original, but a clone army of Alice's. What? Yeah, a clone army. She's going to get so many paychecks. She's going to have so many credits. So a, her and a clone army are going to take on and kill Umbrella. Yep. Now, I'd love for our, our viewers or listeners mm-hmm. to take a bet on how far that storyline progresses in the next one. Well, if Resident <laughs> Evil 2 ended with her escaping a lab with her military-clad friends... Mm-hmm. Uh, just after a city got nuked, yep. but the rest of the, the world seems pretty fine because it was contained. And then this one started out with her alone in a desert. I'd say, yeah, we're up. We're we're in for some consistency <laughs> and follow through. <laughs> and that's how this movie ends. That's setting up the, the next one, which goes to set up our next segment. Don't you know? So Mila Jovovich wasn't interested in doing a third Resident Evil film due to her disappointment with Resident Evil Apocalypse. The financials would, um, I guess, dictate otherwise in terms of it yeah. being successful. Yeah. Uh, however, she changed her mind after reading the script. That's weird. Her husband wrote it. And he just... <laughs> so he just... He pushes the script over and he's just got dollar signs written on it. And she yeah. goes, I like that script. I like... I like the look of that first page. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Well, it's it, it is strange because obviously it's like okay, you you had no intention of being in the franchise series of films that you're now most known for, only successful in, and uh, have is is established with your partner mm-hmm. who will produce and write this. Really, you're not interested in that? Yeah, he will write this, and then for the next one, he's going to direct it. So, so you're really you have no interest in that. You can see he's, he's doing all the stuff on the yeah. side, you know, like he's like he's in bed what, yeah, next exactly. to her on his laptop, and like, she's like, "What are you away? working on? Oh, the next Resident Evil three. Well, I'm not going to be in that. Yeah, well, no, I, I know you're not going to be in it, honey, but <laughs> I just saw. Look, I'm just going to keep on working on it, all right? Yeah. And if you change your mind, <laughs> I'm right here. Do, do you want to hear some of it, please? <laughs> So a Jovovich type <laughs> is kicking ass and being real yeah. hot, and we um and she's she's so young and sexy. So, so Alice <laughs> uh, does this. Oh, who's going to be Alice? I don't know. I don't know. Could you help me though? Like I've just got to figure out this casting choice. Who, who who could it be? Oh, you're so smart. Can you help me? <laughs> That's the. That's mani- ridiculous. Manip- That's a ridiculous fact. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. And that's all I've got. <laughs> Good trivia. Thank you. Well, how much did this make? Um, I don't have numbers exactly, but okay. enough to make a fourth one. Well, what I want to know is, did it make more money than two? Uh, yes, this was at one point the fourth most successful bad adaptation. Hmm. Now there's been so many releases, it's now sitting at 19th. But still right. above Resident Evil Apocalypse. So this, 
this is a really weird thing that's going on with this franchise. Mm-hmm. Where it's making more and more money. Yeah, like it, it, this. <laughs> is that this weird? is literally the opposite of what happens with like literally the law of diminishing returns for a sequel is if you make a sequel, you expect it to gross approximately, or this used to be the kind of rule, you expect it to gross about half as much yeah. as the previous film. Mm-hmm. So Back to the Future, Back to Future 2, about half as much, yeah. you know, and so on. And it's very rare, like a success is when it, it maybe gross two-thirds as much mm-hmm. as the original. Mm-hmm. And obviously there are a few instances, Aliens, Terminator 2, where they you know, completely outgross the... The only two that ever get used as examples. Yeah. It's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, the sequel's not always worse. What about Terminator 2? Yeah. Okay, name some more. <laughs> uh... Aliens? Sure. And, and then that's it. Yeah. Um, and and oh, so... Godfather? It's all these... But Godfather 2 did gross much less than Godfather 1. Oh, well, there you go. But it's And if it didn't as make as much money, it's clearly not as good. That's how art works. Yeah, we all know yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why this is the worst art. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so it's strange that it must have even surprised them. Like, mm. when they're making these Resident Evils, they're like, well, you know, this one did well. Let's hope the next one does half as well. Mm-hmm. And then it does better. And they're like, oh, well, I guess we'll just keep making these then. We'll end this one in a way <laughs> where the audience can be like, whoa, I can only imagine what happens next. <laughs> a thousand Alice's? And then it actually makes a substantial amount of money, and they go, "Ah, oh, now we have to make something." Yeah, now our we, imagination's way better. Yeah, now, now we've we, got to explain that. Now we've got to record it with video <laughs> equipment. We have to tell a story. Ah, oh. so yeah, this is the yeah the a really bizarre because it's also like this film wasn't bad, but well, actually, I'm not even going to say this film wasn't was wasn't bad. I, I, I'm just going to say. We've seen worse films. <laughs> yeah, our, our standards are really... Um... We, we've seen worse films, but this franchise is not like, you know, which I've just watched recently, but it's not like the Indiana Jones tril- trilogy slash five films or whatever. It's not yeah. like a series of real high-watermark films mm. here. Mm. No, one's not, going, no one's ever going... This isn't the Godfather 1 and 2. Yeah, no one's, like, <laughs> trying to obtain the heights of the Resident <laughs> Evil franchise. Exactly. Only Paul W.S. Anderson is... <laughs> With the Monster Hunter franchise. <laughs> I wonder how we talked her into that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, that's shocking to me, but all right. Yeah, good on them. We have given this the same score as Resident Evil 1 and 2, which is 10. However, out of what? Guy, I'll let you start the bidding. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to give this one... Uh, I think this is a, a 10 out of 30 for me. 10 out of 30, that's, that's that's pretty good on on your scale of things. Yeah. I did enjoy this more than Resident Evil 2. Yeah. I really thought I wouldn't. And so I'm giving this one 10 out of 13. Wow. Whoa. That's a really good film. Or so you thought. But remember, this is what's called a callback. She did a kip-up, so it's 10 out of 12. Ooh. Isn't that like the highest rating you've given one of these? <laughs> equal to Street Fighter. <laughs> it's equal to Street Fighter. All right. So we're really high high bar for Resident Evil 3. It seems I don't have a lot of room for movement. <laughs> I really kind of really painted myself into a corner. You're going to have to start giving decimal points soon. How fucking dare you? There are no decimal points in a rating system. There are no fractions. That's how this came about. None. 
Okay. I mean, even though the well, system itself is... I guess you're locked into that. Is itself a fraction. 10 out of 12. Yep. 10 out of 12. I'll stand by that. Sorry, just checking the time. And I've noticed it's time for your favorite segment. It's worst hair. And uh, I believe it goes to uh, the random guy with the mohawk. I don't know. The hair seemed fine in this movie. There was no one with a ridiculous, crazy hairstyle. I yeah. was even thinking, oh, should we go with clone Alice or regular Alice? No, they've both got normal hair. Yeah. It's that uh, random guy with a mohawk. Worst hair goes to her husband from the original one who we see in a photograph one time for like one second. Yeah. Fuck that guy in particular. <laughs> you and your shit hair. Old charisma vacuum, that guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's kind of a he was a slimy kind of dude, eh? Just the way he just did. there was just something about him that made him made it like he shouldn't appear in films. <laughs> Jesus, you know he, he shouldn't be acting in films. He's not cut out to do that. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! I don't like it. Here's something you might like. Mm. My recommendation this week. Okay, I just got the one. It's really hard to keep finding Resident Evil things that are worth watching, and I'm not just talking about the movies. Um. I'm talking about a video by the gaming channel Outside Xbox. Mm -hmm. They have a video called Seven Ripoff Games You Thought Were Original. And they go into detail about which game that the Resident Evil franchise is based off. It's a complete game I've never heard of. They just went, yeah, we're taking that and we're, make, and we're westernizing it. Hmm. And you can watch that video and find out for yourself which one I mean. There was actually some surprising entrance in there. Nice. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I recommend, my recommendation is to watch either, watch what this film is based on, <laughs> the Mad Max, uh, or oh, there's four now, uh, the Mad Max films. Just so, watch the Fury Road. Either Fury Road or Mad Max 2. They're the two yep. high watermarks. There we go. Uh, so I would recommend that if you actually want to watch a sort of post-apocalyptic wasteland style made with by a, a good director yeah uh, based in australia instead of mexico they were going to do this in australia right and then they changed maybe cheaper um maybe they wanted yellow instead of red I yeah guess, as we established it's time to spin the wheel and see what the next thing we have to cover is guy if you would do us the pleasures of making this land probably on another resident just, evil movie okay so we're away and praying for not another Resident Evil. Oh, fuck, that was close. Oh, <laughs> it's right, it is sitting we, right in between two Resident Evil. We landed Evils. in between two Resident Evils. Silent Hill. Silent Hill. Another gaming franchise I am loosely familiar with, but have never delved into. Okay. All right, I'm gonna have to do some research into this one. Yep. Well, at least this is a popular video game. Well, what? I guess so is Resident Evil, but yeah. uh, it I, was. Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so we'll be covering Silent Hill, the first one, because I believe there's more than one. And just a little uh, request from us, if you like what we do, please consider following us using the links in the show notes or the description and leave some good reviews if you like it. Uh, it means a lot and means our little project can grow. Yeah, so thank you everyone for your continued support and uh, we look forward to bringing you Silent Hill in two weeks. Or do we? All right, thank you, and we'll see you when we uh, release that episode. All right, catch ya. See you later.